Hello. Uh, that's John Delu, not Alan Medcraft. Yeah. But, but... <laughs> it was like getting chased by a predatory hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> you go and meet a, a, a bloke at a, at a um, like a some sort of social function, public toilet. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. But at a, at a, at a social gathering of some form. Hello and welcome everybody to this podcast. We are joined by a special guest in the name of Mr. John Delu. John, say hello. Hello. Uh, that's John Delu, not Alan Medcraft, yeah. but, but we get the tribute. Uh, we're also joined by our old favourites, James. Let's uh, say the old. Okay. Well, Our favourite. He was all a fantasy. Um, and Ian. Hello there. And uh, today is our first four-way. We're technically been struggling, but we're, we're getting there. We've plugged things in, and we've had a wiggle, and we've, we're, we're, we're nearly there. Um, so apologies if it sounds a little different from other ones. Um, but today we are determined to talk about two key things. One being what we've failed to talk about on previous podcasts because we've run out of time. And also to talk to John and learn a little bit about John and the man behind the mask, so to speak. <laughs> um, so to kick this off, James, uh, a topic that uh, you and we all believe in actually very strongly, to be fair. Uh, but James is... is very kind of good at, at getting the message across is, is um, it no 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 <laughs> no um, it is mental health and detailing yes indeed um, mainly because I've been at the wrong end of it um, you know it's it's something that a lot of detailers suffer from you know they suffer from anxiety or depression uh, and it's it's can be attributed to the job um, but I think it's uh, it's a good topic for us to start investigating more. I mean, mm. we've had the wellness category within the uh, magazine for the last two issues now, three? Yeah, two or three, yeah. Um, so we're already starting to look into it and start to sort of investigate some of the causes. Actually, it was, it was I think, three issues ago where we had uh, Bryce, um, who wrote a really good article on it. Um, so I think that would have been issues... That was issue nine, Bryce Keith as well. Was it? Yeah, so 9, 10, 11, three issues. Yeah, yeah three, three issues, issues boom. Issue 9. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of set the scene, um, detailing, certainly professional detailing here is what we're talking about, I guess, um, which is bizarre because for the enthusiast, detailing is an opportunity to escape for a bit of solitude, for a bit of reflection, uh, for a bit of time away from the family and work and all the other hassles of life. However, for the professional, that is their life. They are locked away, often in a unit or in a van, um, traveling around and it, the sort of the only relationships they really have is, is possibly with the, with the paintwork in front of the machine in their hands. I mean, yes, you talk to customers and stuff like that, but it's, it is naturally quite an isolating profession. Most people work on their own. They're mostly owner operators. So not only do you have the, the physical and mental strain of working long hours, but you've also got the stresses and strains of owning your own company and supporting your family with a company. Um, and on the flip side, you could put in contrast that actually men of, and, and it is predominantly male, um, are drawn to the trade because of that solitude. And, and quite often there are characteristics that I, as a non-detailer, come across that are, that are common to lots of other detailers. Um, social skills, for example. Ian? Why are we talking to me about social skills? <laughs> You're turning to the most introverted person in the room, I think. 
Yes, yes. Or is, look, is that the reasoning behind it? Well, that, that, that was kind of the joke. Probably inappropriate, really, isn't it? Um, but yes. Yeah, just, you know, go, go after people's mental states. <laughs> it's fantastic. The thing is, though, um, quite interestingly, is both Ian and I both came from a ver- what I would class as a very social working career. Mm. For me, early, very early on, um, because I've been involved with cars the majority of my working career, but both Ian and I worked within the, uh, I'll, I'll use the term catering industry, but it was mm-hmm. much more varied than that. And that's very much a social environment. But the things that do carry across are the, not necessarily the pursuit of perfection, <laughs> but having that mentality of chasing something near perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the problems begin with detailers. Because to do it as a hobby hobbyist, you need an element of interest and... Um, you know, a willingness to look into certain um, skill sets yeah. and certain areas and how to do things. It's self-motivated, isn't yeah, it? F- yeah, for a profession, it's very different because, uh, as we know from our experience, we've met a lot of detailers who are their own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the pursuit of perfection is purely driven by them. The customer won't appreciate that sort of top, percentile that they're looking at working for and what it leads to is it leads to detailers almost unraveling at the seams when they have a slight issue or they have a problem that can't be resolved and they'll obsess over it and and you know we we i know we joke about it a lot but the mm. whole the, the the term ocd used in our industry is is very misaligned mm. o- ocd uh, obsessive compulsive disorder is an extremely serious mental health problem and it is debilitating in a lot of cases we see the phrase oh, oh you know obsessive detailing oc oc, OC details you know and, yeah. it, and it's i get it it's kind of like a you know we're, we we've got ocd about cleaning cars yeah but in, but in reality we have say we professional detailers have an element of obsessiveness mm. but i wouldn't say they have ocd I've, you know i've known people with ocd and they've yeah you know they struggle to to leave the house because they're convinced that They've n- they haven't locked the door properly. Yeah. Well, they're, they're convinced that they haven't followed their routine exactly and something's going to happen. And, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is it's interesting. We had a post on the page. It was a sort of slightly aggressive post. It was not necessarily relevant to the post that was there, but it was a, a reply, a comment on a, on a post, and it was about how uh, some detailer apparently claimed to be OCD and somebody who wasn't a detailer but was generally OCD had an issue with that and said yeah. we ought to write an article about it. I mean, it, I... I on the one hand, mental health is a spectrum, so everybody's yeah, somewhere on a spectrum. But on the other hand, I entirely agree with you in that you get OCD that's so serious that people are housebound and, and, and it's really terrible and it's not quite the same uh, by a country mile to being determined to try and get one last mark out of the paintwork or getting frustrated with micro-borrowing. Yeah, but I think that that's... So the element of... That obsessive element that really is... I wouldn't say it was required, but it's almost a... It's like a catalyst. Uh, you know what? Like for, for, a, for, a, for somebody to choose a profession like this, mm. that obsessive side of your psyche is, is almost a catalyst to drive you into a job where you're always looking to have a 100% finished product and perfect, perfect finished product. Mm-hmm. And, and also that, frus- that frustration leads, uh, in terms of on social media and stuff, 
you often, I mean, I know social media is a, is a, is a lion's den for all sorts of trades and industries and, and, not, and just personal interaction, but you do get some serious sort of friction happening between groups and, and mm. between people. And then social media is a place where all of this stuff gets bent. But I was taking away three things from, from what James said. One, working alone. Two, stressors. And three, pressure to deliver um, perfect, flawless results, which might even not be achievable. And those three factors, I think, are, are dangerous, aren't they? And it's how we as blokes process stress. And I, I always work to the principle that the opposite, what you see from someone on the outside is usually the opposite of what they are on the inside. People say to me, I'm very relaxed and easygoing. You're very laid back, John, on your channel. Well, anyone that knows me, I am an absolute stress head. Yeah. And I struggle to, to cope with pressure. Um, for me, detailing is the opposite of this because I don't have any expectations to deliver anything. I use detailing as a way of unwinding. Yeah. But when you combine fact that you've got to do all this work and you're delivering something to a client and the social media side of it every you're seeing all these other people putting these images of all of their work everywhere over social media and i think that's going to add to some of the, the stresses which can cause all these mental health issues which mm. i think we're seeing now do, do you see some similarities with your your previous career you, you're a what, what was it exactly you did? I, I worked in IT, a completely different sector, corporate sector, and the stress levels were huge, huge. So um, detailing was, was your escape, effectively? It was, because it was a, in this instance, actually, it's because it was a solitary thing where there was, I wasn't delivering something that anyone else was judging. I could just zone out and just say, right, I'm, for the next hour, I'm going to work on polishing this ring, and the rest of the world can disappear and I can listen to interesting music. So it was the opposite for me. But I'm, if you had to deliver um, something within a certain time frame and you're under pressure, it won't become a, it won't become a relief. It will, it will become... It's the difference between doing it for personal satisfaction yeah. and for somebody else's satisfaction, yeah. isn't it? With, with a, that competitive element, I mean, I compare it to professional sports. So, for example, people might play tennis for pleasure, but as soon as you've got a trainer and a manager and pressure and a crowd of people watching you, and you're against an opponent, because obviously the nature of it's combative, then that is a whole different ball game. And with the whole social media thing and they're putting photos up, this is what drives me crossy about filters and people manipulating photography. And speaking as somebody who does a bit of photography, I know how easy it is to hide sins, uh, detailing sins. And um, so, you know, you can put something up and say, I've achieved this. Everybody else is thinking, crikey, how do I do that? And the answer is you just move the camera around and put a different filter on it, but they don't know that, you know. It's a competitive world. I think blokes as well. The, the one reason I think we might suffer from this more than women is to do with our competitive nature. We, we're competitive. We want to succeed. And um, I think stress is caused sometimes when things trigger some sort of emotional response within us that feeds that competitive side or aggravates it. Um, and it's being aware of all this stuff, I think, that can help. Well, it, it, it's interesting. It, I mean, I don't want to gender split it too much because on the competitive side, I know plenty of competitive women. I mean, they're normally the ones who beat me. Um, <laughs> but the, I, I think one thing is, and this is, this is kind of a, uh, is insecurity. I think blokes, I think all humans have got insecurities, but I think blokes particularly identify themselves by their work much more so. And so if, you, you know, that's why with when you go and meet a, a, a bloke at a, at a um, 
like a, a some sort of social function. Public tournament? <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. But at a, at a, at a social gathering of some form, almost within 30 seconds, you know what they do, what their job is, and, and approximately what they earn. But it's the, it's the whole it's sort of, um, you know, it's the... And again, I'm, I'm very sensitive to sort of gender equality, but it is that alpha male uh, sort of mentality, isn't it? And I think you... you Within this industry, it, it, I mean, it is majority male-led. Not led. That's that's not populated. That's yeah. a better phrase. But it's it's that whole. It is a constant competition. You know, yeah. it's like oh, uh, you know, him down the road. He's got thirty-four more likes on his on his post. Mm. And social media has been the best and worst of recent times. It's been incredibly good for business. But it's been incredibly bad for mental health, and 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 also how how that has a genuine impact. You're saying you know he has more more likes than the other person. In that example, obviously that makes bugger all difference. But in terms of success as a business, having a strong social media output is very key. And yeah, there's an alpha male element element to it. But I've met a lot of beta males in detailing. They're normally the nice ones who aren't trying to be the best at everything. They're quite nice to kind of uh, get on with. But are they the ones that are in a better position you know mental health wise they i they don't have it <laughs> the alphas seem to be the ones who have the big public outbursts and breakdowns and the quieter friendly ones seem to just truck on and also they make the decision to leave the industry the number of people who leave this industry almost equals the number of people joining it and they just have had enough and i totally understand that i mean it's but it's the, the pressure so if you think about any other industry the pressure is on customer delivery mm. With this industry, it's the absolute opposite. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's almost at the point where customer delivery is, is irrelevant. What they're actually looking for is confirmation from either industry peers or fans. Yeah. And, and, and in reality, the fans aren't, they're not paying the invoices. Mm -hmm. the, the fans aren't supporting the business financially. All they're doing is feeding egos. If you're looking, I don't if you, like if you're looking for confirmation off of other people's social media, unfortunately, you're only going to be seeing images on social media of perfection or near perfection. Nobody's generally puts up images of, yeah, I put this up, yeah, best I could do, though. Yeah, I mean, I, there's there, there's always this this sort of prism people look through of, oh, everybody else is able to get this sort of finish every single time. Yeah, I must yeah. be doing something wrong. Well, mm. I, I'm gu I was guilty of gu guilty of, uh, of hell. Uh, with my Facebook posting back when we had Candy Nutsford, is I would selectively share jobs, knowing mm. that it would either wind up other detailers because we had three McLarens in in one day, or we had a five nine nine GTO in that was eight hundred thousand quid. The reality is that was five percent of the work we were doing, but it was almost aggravatory, you know, yeah. trying to get everybody rattled up because, as I was chatting to John earlier, you know, there there are two ways of, of getting ahead on social media and that's to be everybody's friend which is what we'd all like to be or to be divisive Bit if, of a you are, if, if yeah. you're if you if you're divisive you're going to get twice the number of uh, tw twice the amount of exposure talk yeah. because half of them are talking about how much they hate you mm. and then the guys that enjoy the stuff you do are also talking about you so everybody's talking about you uh, th this uh, it's a real thing it, on on we did a uh, make a test on trims and there was a post that was very kindly put up by uh, one of the winners 
and um, on that post it was an American company, they had lots of people saying, hey, well done, you know, single comments and likes and stuff like that, it was great. And then there was this one Insta, Insta account which is just stolen pictures from other detailing places and lots of sort of naked women hanging over cars and stuff like that. It sounds like mine. <laughs> and um, no, no, it was an Insta account, not a lifestyle. And, um, <laughs> and uh, he literally said, uh, pro detailer magazine is garbage. Now, I didn't get back to him because I, I knew he was just talking for attention. Unfortunately, loads of others did. So if you look through that same thread... Yeah, what you don't know is Ian and I got a plane. <laughs> and we hired a Ford Bronco, white Ford Bronco. I think it was a 1992 model, was it? Well, yeah, OJ it's what went poofing yeah. down. Um, Ian, Ian had a pair of gloves, but they didn't fit me. <laughs> Definitely didn't fit me. And we didn't... Well, we, I'm not aware of us rising to it or committing murder over it. And I, mean, uh, I instantly lost any... any I, there was no credibility in that comment once I started using the word garbage. Not a real word. Sorry, making this up now. But um, my point being is that that one comment had more replies and people, thankfully, mostly standing up for us um, to to that thing than all the positivity and the the hearts and the the strange hearts made out of hands thing that teenage girls and detailers do. But here's the question, Um, Bert. When that comment came up, what's the first thing you did? Um, I actually pulled out the piece of paper that's on the left-hand top drawer, which is my 50 cal list, which is my murder <laughs> list, and I started working out if I found the person's identity, whether it's worth knocking number 10 off the spot, because I reckon I can only do 10 you within a 48-hour. No, Boris is a car. Oh, no, sorry, no, you said number 10. No, 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 Boris isn't on that list. Oh, okay. God, right. no. No, that would be hard. I'd have to reduce the list down to five to be able to do that. Well, but anyway, so... You already had your opportunity with Boris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the first thing that you did was click on his profile. Yes, of course. So, you're, so, like, you know, divisive behavior mm. attracts interest from all sides. You know, you'll always click on a profile to see who is this idiot. Oh, I hunted and him down. I got his idea. Well, that's the attention he desired. You shouldn't <laughs> announce things like that, but he's really. It's perfectly legal. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we're, we're in an industry where it's almost become driven by social media. Now, the thing that is kind of heartwarming is that there are many detailers out there that are almost going off grid. Um, so I had a chat with Dave Whitehouse recently, and he's he said that it, he d- he did it as a, as a a project or a test. He's just switched off Facebook for him personally. Yeah, and he's just sharing posts on his business page, but then not looking into the analytics of what's going on. He's just sharing work occasionally, carrying on. His workload hasn't reduced whatsoever, and he's happier, and he's got and more he's time for kids and, and family. Yeah, exactly. So. Although, like I said, it, it, has, it has been the best and worst thing that's happened to the industry. It's certainly... I mean, I bet his Candy Crush scores have gone down. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah. How much rehypnol did you put in this coffee, James? I can taste it. You're not supposed to put so much in that people can taste, you know. That's the key. Which is the one that you can smell? That's um, the... Um, us what do you call it? It's the one that I do the joke on first dates, and you put uh, you, you put your hand over the mouth chloroform? and say, "Does this smell like chloroform?" Yeah, that's the one. Chloroform. Oh god, I've put the wrong one in. <laughs> My bad. Never yeah, mind. This, I'm not feeling sleepy, but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of in the mood. Um, so yeah, I think you know that there there are so many factors that are just gunning for pro detailers these days. Yeah. It's not a you know, to get into the industry, you need a, an element of obsessive sort of. Um, well, do you need that to get in, or is that just an attribute that seems to, you know, people <laughs> who are drawn to it have that attribute already? I think it's it's because it, the industry supports it. Mm. I think that's the first thing is the industry supports it. So if you're 
if you like working and really sort of close quarter work and you're desperate mm. for perfection, detailing is actually quite supportive mm. because it gives you that freedom to go off and spend 40 hours wet sanding. I mean, the old days of detailing work, some of the threads on there were just yeah. hilarious. I mean, there was, um, do you remember the, uh, the VXR? The guy that bought a brand new VXR and then he sent it back to be resprayed because his bank wasn't good enough. And <laughs> then he sent it back again. And then he did a, an 80-hour wet sand on it. The industry supports that. The problem is a lot of these I'm guys... Assume, I'm assuming that the boot still bubbled up. And the boot still bubbled up. Yeah, the boot still went, wor- went rusty and the dipsticks come back out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, the issue you've got is that, especially when you get a hobby detailer that switches to being a professional, you go from having the freedom, like John was saying earlier, having the freedom to escape everything by detailing to being trapped to all of a sudden detailing is it's not just the detailing you've got the customer you've got the social media expectation you've got the rivalry rivalry with with um local businesses you've got the comparison with market in inverted commas market leading Mm -hmm. detailers which in reality may not be market leading they may just be very good at social media well i mean i've met a fair few of the kind of i wouldn't call them hero detailers necessarily but top detailers they ain't rolling in money. They're working their tits off. You know, it's 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 a hard old thing. They might. It's like a swan, isn't it? They look very calm. When you're listing all of those things, they are all stressors, aren't they? All yeah, of course they are. Think about and Facebook, I think, is just a platform which can amplify those stresses. You talked about someone who's off Facebook. I am effectively off Facebook for the same reason because there's so much negativity there. If you if you stay with it and try and absorb all that negativity. It will just bring you down, mm. and the best thing you can do is, is just get off of it. Um, and I'm exactly the same as that guy you said. I have my page, which I have to keep, and it's actually quite a positive page. But my personal Facebook, I just randomised it, deleted all my friends, and it's just sitting there doing nothing. You but also well, I mean you you. Uh, I mean, that's sorry, just to bring up as a tactic kit in, in terms of trying to offer some practical advice. I mean, I run a personal and a business Facebook profile, um, as does James, as does quite a few. And um, Ian just has one that he doesn't use. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I've, okay. got a, I've got a personal one, but I haven't touched that in so long because I don't like that one either. So no, but that's one of old school friends, and you just want to make sure one. that they're either less successful or dead, isn't it? That was the main role of that one. Well, I'm not really bothered about less successful. <laughs> <laughs> just whether they got the letter you sent them with low stress. Anyway, the um, so as a as a practical tip. If you can, because Facebook does seem to have some wobbles about having multiple profiles, and if you've got one mobile phone number, it's difficult because you can't authorize one. It goes around in circles. But anyway, uh, you've you've changed to a secret name, which we won't give out live. Um, I just random. I didn't even think about. It. I just randomized it. Thinking maybe it's well, yeah, which is a bugger if I'm trying to find an old message <laughs> from you because I can never remember what it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, well, now you've just told everyone what it is. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the um, my point is that. Why not consider setting up a separate Facebook that is just your social life, nothing to do with detailing? Admittedly, for a lot of us, that crosses over. But um, if well you that can... Im- that implies that Ian or myself have any friends. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we went and played golf together the other day, so I think that counts as a... Oh yeah, but then you shared it on the business page. I didn't even <laughs> see that. Yeah, we're not friends with you on Facebook. Um, no, fair so enough. Or on the golf course. Or on the golf course. <laughs> Unless you're running in front of the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so obviously it's slightly different for us because um, with the trade association and the magazines, we get a lot of, well, 
this is going to sound a bit big-headed, but it's definitely not. We get a lot of friend requests from detailers, other professionals within the industry. People in the Far East offering pictures of themselves and paying by a long time. That's you. That's me, yeah. Um, You know, people who represent brands, people, even brands themselves. Mm. So for us, it makes sense to have a work profile and a personal profile. But as a detailer, you know, you don't need to do anything outside of your business page. Problem is you can't mm. do anything on Facebook just as a business. You have to have you can't have a business only name like a, anything related to your business. It's got they have to has to almost seem like there's a person behind everything and you can't just have a Facebook business page without having a Facebook account. It, 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 slightly there's community yeah. guidelines and transparencies on that, but if you imagine a big company like say Vodafone uh, you know, it doesn't say this is the person behind it because it's an employee who's running it who doesn't. Well, my my business account used to be Ian UK Detailing before yeah. that was Ian Detailing. Um, but somebody else at some point just said, "Oh, he's got a business name yeah. in his profile report." So I ended up having to. We had the same show issue. Them my, show them my oh, driving license yeah. and give them my my surname. And, and then they shut down. Why, your, why, your why, why do people need to know my surname? Why why do people need to know that it's actually me? Done. It's the, it's the business that's the important thing. Yeah. It's just Facebook wants to have that little extra hook in you. Oh, it's the rep, it's the lizard. It is. They listen to you. I've been looking at at outdoor furniture recently for questions for reasons I won't go into. We know what you've been looking at because we logged into the Pro Detailer Instagram. Yeah, well, it's all over my feed now. I bought the bloody furniture, (laughs) but it's still all over. It's what? What? Oh, something else. Okay. (laughs) It's Rattan, so it's wipeable, I think. Um, But isn't that a Pokemon? I don't know. No, it's what they use in BMW competitions. That stuff they eat. <laughs> well, come on, no. Have you seen the Rattan effect stuff they have instead of that they call carbon fiber? I don't go near BMW. Oh, he's on about. He's on about. Oh, the fake carbon fiber. No, he's on about the BMW Sport Cube trim. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. It's Rattan furniture. It. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, that was a conversation killer. Um, so anyway, <laughs> mental health, it's a big deal. I think we should talk well, about it more. So no, if you want to go full circle, yeah. Jane mentioned earlier, uh, we both used to be in catering and we had detailing's our sort of hobby and then we went over and now detailing's our work. I actually quite enjoy cooking now. For yeah, me the too. first time <laughs> in a long time, yeah. I ended up hating it towards the end of my career and that's when I stopped. There's, there's also no threats of head chefs throwing knives at you. Or I, I, was, uh, I was head chef. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was never threatened by that. I'd enjoy uh, killing we've, people again. We've talked about what causes it or what why it's there. What can we do about it? Well, the, the first thing is to turn down expectations of yourself from 17 and a half to a, an eight. So when you are working, work for the customer, work for the, work for the, the quote. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. um, if a customer comes in and says, I want this doing to my car, you need to sit down, quote the job, give the quote to the customer. Customer says, yeah, great. And do it. Don't give try and compete with other people's quotes. Yeah. Give them a good expectation on, on what to expect. If you... You know, let's say you bought me your E46 and said, I want a full detail doing. The first thing you do is sit down and go and look around the car and say, look, we're going to get it really good. But, you know, this might not come out. We might struggle to get some of these out, but it's going to look brilliant. The issue these days is that detailers are working for themselves. They're not working for the customer. They're working to their own standards because they're petrified of another detailer getting their hands on the car and saying, oh, this had a full detail at wherever, look at the state of it. So, you know, work for the customer. That's the that's the first bit of advice I can offer. The second is to have a good switch off routine. And we've covered this in a magazine. Uh, Ian and I both did quite a lot of um, research into it. A lot of these guys, again, social media is partly to blame. 
but there's no definitive switch off between work and home. And when you're at home doing messages and posting stuff on Facebook as your page, you never stop working. So for me, it's, it's to have a physical switch off routine. E even if it's, um, we mentioned it in the mag, just a walk, you know, go for a walk after work. Some people go to the pub, that's but their but thing. stopping as well, stop work. <coughs> yeah, I mean, some guys are driven to work. You know, they, it's difficult when you're running a business to not be concerned about the workload and the money coming in. But when there is an opportunity for you to switch off, switch off. And most retailers as well, business owners as well. Yeah, they? exactly. Well, that's another big pressure as well, mm. you know, because you're, like Bert said earlier, you're running the business. So everything relating to what you're doing the business and you get guilt this is uh, certainly speaking for myself i um i mean in the old days I used to work seven days and i lived in my own little house and that was kind of a simple existence not a good one but a simple one um but now because i can't work weekends nearly as much as i did i make a point of taking them off and i'm working through it but there's a lot of guilt for not working yeah. which is 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 a kind of as a personal thing but i certainly i'm sure others have got it in that if you're not working, you're not being economically viable, you're not justifying your existence on this earth, how the hell should you still be taking up oxygen, you stupid waste of space? And what is your excuse? I still haven't got one. Okay. It's just most, mostly just you know self-hatred. But the, the point being is that, as James was saying, is that when you don't work, make sure, and I wish on your Facebook app you had a thing where you could just turn off anything related to detailing or whatever it is that you work in, and it just clears from your newsfeed and just left with just cats and guns or whatever you know is on your newsfeed for whatever reason. Yeah, that's important. Isn't it? I don't get those. Um, and focusing on the enjoyment of doing the work again. Maybe. Well, that, that's mm. the hard part. I always joke, uh, obviously, with uh, UK Detailing Academy, we do a lot of new starters, so our, our level one training. You see a lot of guys that are coming, like as yourself, coming out of a professional industry into another professional industry, but a completely different genre. And I always joke to them and say, oh, you know, do you enjoy detailing? Like, oh, yeah, I love it. I could write as well. Because <laughs> that, that could prepare. Yeah, just to. prepare yourself because, yeah. you know, uh, like Ian was saying earlier, he, enjoy, he enjoys cooking again. You know, a lot of professional chefs or professional um, cooks start out as being real enthusiastic hobby mm. cooks or chefs, and then they go and do it for a living. And you suddenly realize that you're doing the same task day in, day out. Same thing. The pressure's there. Yeah. Overbearing you know, necessity to have it right every single time and you, you start to lose the love. So it is good sometimes to have a step back. That could be really important. It's not glamorous work, is it? It's hard work, it's physical work. It is it's satisfying. It can work. be glamorous if you wear the right uniform. <laughs> but it's tough on the body, it's yeah. it's repetitive. I'm only seventy. <laughs> Stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I think even I think even that's flattering. Yeah, yeah. left school last year. <laughs> But it is, that's you know, it's stupid. <laughs> that's just the police recommendation. <laughs> he was getting awkward. But it is, it's, it's important to try and remember why you're in this industry. And a lot of guys get to a point, like you said earlier, you know, they don't, yeah, they leave, they leave, they've had enough. And really, I, I, another recommendation is I never, I never like to advise people to do that. But if you feel like you've had enough, call it a day. Because same with any industry, any job, you know, you should never live to work should always work to live because if you start living to work it takes over your entire life it takes over your entire mental health um, and really you should do an a job you enjoy and you should do it to survive you shouldn't survive mm -hmm. to go to work that's not how we were designed to live as humans yeah i agree with that 
Yeah. Definitely. I mean, your point about being designed is that humans do operate under a certain amount of stress. I find that whatever, and I think it was Ian actually came up with this thought, is that whatever you do, whether it's hard work or, or you know, um, full-time Oh, the sort of the stressful constant, constant. Yeah, the stressful constant. Yeah, ev everybody same. has exactly the same amount of stress, no matter what they do. It's just they assign different KPIs. Uh, different, yeah. yeah. So some, somebody who's a managing director of a Fortune 500 company has got the same level of stress as, say, a, a, a an, office, an office cleaner yeah. that's really behind their work. It's the same the same amount of chemicals are being released in your body, mm -hmm. but the same amount of stress, but for different reasons. It's not just because you've lost hundreds of millions of pounds in a day. It's you're, you're, you're Mr. Muscle's running low and you've yeah. still got floor seven to do. Yeah, because yeah. because you're, you're, you're programmed to have a certain a certain range of stress in your life. Yeah. There are people that deal with it very differently, though. There are, yeah. people, there are people that can Somebody much more, much more chilled out about that. About yeah, but there's, there's also people that can hit peak stress over very, very minor things. Yeah. yeah. And it, if most people are aware of it. So, uh, Bert, you, you work, or you say you, you prefer to work under an element of pressure or an element of stress. That's and why I don't write mag articles till three days after print. Yeah, but we'd rather be doing anything else <laughs> than sitting here until four in the morning. But some people can't, you know, they'll get two or three issues throughout the day go wrong and they've hit peak stress levels. Yeah. And, it, and it can really be harmful to their health. So I think it, it, it is very dependent on how you deal with it personally, stress. Mm. And, and the great thing is, as a business owner, you've always got the opportunity to say no to anything. And that's another Not thing. Not the HMRC. Remember. Well, just you've got the option. You can say no to HMRC, <laughs> but there's a consequence. And they say yes. You say no. They say yes. You, go, you right. know, it's, it's, it's customers. Oh, I need this tomorrow. Oh, all right, okay. And they're working till two, three in the morning. Yeah. Change your name to you blue know, light detailing services. Yeah, there you go. Change your name to blue light detailing services. Yeah, and they charge four times the price. Um, but you know, it's you've always got the opportunity to say no. Mm. At the end of the day, it's your business. It's your career. If if you've got a customer that's causing you grief. You can literally exactly. say, do you know what, I'm just, I don't think this relationship's going to work. Yeah. I've done it in the past. I enjoyed mm. it, though, because yeah. we had a trader that was pushing me for luck, and I said, you know what, take him off stock. Yeah. I've got 12 calls at me doing I said, well, that's a bad bad time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be such a dick. The, Check out the um, YouTube video of a violin playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is, uh, th the other side is, is proactive relaxation. So... Um, you know, I, 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 my mother would say something along the lines of you should do more exercise, you're too fat and you're a bit of a disappointment. No, well, exercise, sorry, that was the takeaway, was exercise. Some people, I think we all probably should have more exercise, but um, that's one option. Another option is an alternative hobby, I guess. I mean, what, John, what do you do now that you're detailing kind of in brackets for work? Um, what do you do to chill out? Well... It's, I mean, it's, it's kind exercise? of changed now because the detailing thing was a, was a bit of fun for me, a bit of a release, and now it's become what I do, and I can get stressed out quite easily doing videos. If I know I've, I, I like to have one video, I, I'm a, I can't multitask. So if suddenly I've got to do four or five videos, I can find that stressful. I like to get one done, then move on to the next. So um, I mean, I've seen your videos. You do you do scrum for yourself in a room by yourself, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. I like that. I have to admit, I, I do, I do I it at guitar playing to de-stress. Actually, well, that's, 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 what, that's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> I have that. I, I I play that on a on a big stereo in in the well, it's not a big stereo, but in in the house. And the partner hates it, but I adore it. In fact, you're the only non-instrumental one here now, Bert. Yeah, I'm completely non-musical. I used to play the guitar, no, no, non, but non-instrumental. He was right there. 
Everyone else <laughs> yeah. is instrumental. But yeah, you. <laughs> irrelevant. That is, that is probably one of the, the best de-stressors for me in my life. Because it's like decaling. When initially, it switches you off. So whatever was was causing you the stresses, detailing could switch it off on you. Mm-hmm. Um, now it can't all the time, and I, I find doing videos quite stressful and stuff like that sometimes. Now I, I say strumming a guitar zones me out, and I'm forgetting about nothing yeah. other than trying to remember the right chords. Well, I was about to say, do you then find yourself getting stressed if you can't hit the G or whatever? No, I can never hit the G. No. <laughs> no, I find I don't find music. That was a music joke. I got that quite good. I, what? I don't find music stressful at all. Ah. D D D. Well, D's all right. Oh, are you b- you both electric? Uh, no, I used to be. I used to, but I just play a couple of chords. Um, but oh, maybe that's it. Showing off, aren't <laughs> yeah, yeah, two I'm chords. Agree on a good maybe day. Maybe one chord. <laughs> but that that would be the biggest thing I could take away to anyone getting stressed. I would say, learn how to play guitar or drums or uh, I'd piano. I'd love to play drums. I yeah. haven't got the space or I would the love to tolerance well. of mm. people around me. I don't but think I've got the temperament to play drums. I just make lots of really I don't angry have noise. But that's it. That's <laughs> why it's a relief. You just yeah. take it out <laughs> on the drums. Too. But this is why I used to enjoy golf until I started playing golf. Mm. Yeah. Golf's great until you try and play it. Okay. But you can go out and get a big metal stick and hit a ball as hard as you possibly can. won't go very far. Maybe that's it. Maybe tell, tell people you're playing golf professionally for a couple of weeks, then give it up, and then maybe you'll start loving it again. Maybe. I don't know what, the, what the time lapse has to maybe. be between... <laughs> So anyway, find a hobby, find something that's different from detailing. Hey, thrashing cars time. around tracks is good. It's John, good. John's turned oh up yes. in one of his... Hey, yeah. let's do a bit of car news, shall we? Yeah, let's oh. move let's on to car news. That's a bit brighter. Okay, Koki, so... Hey, can I, can I kick off? Yeah, yeah. Ian's, Ian's bought an MGTF. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's bought an MGTF. <laughs> now the world knows you can't <laughs> hide behind it. Well, yes, but admittedly, it's not for me to actually use and drive normally. It was mostly for video work and tearing apart because... And training and stuff. Just yeah. for the purposes A5 of the podcast... It's not useful for testing products on. Just for the purposes of the podcast, I had sent at least 20 other vehicles that were cabriolets and were the same price, and Ian turned all of them down to buy an MGTF. Yeah, but yeah. you said like Saab 95s. There's nothing wrong with Saabs. Yeah, it wasn't nothing the 95. No, 900, 93s. No, 900 is no problem at all, but try and find one of those for 700 quid. It was a 9.3 Aero yeah. Hot Cabriolet. Which are lovely, beautiful which, cars. Which are voxels. No, no, they no. That's why Saab went bust. They use, as James said you last time, and you didn't no listen mo- to him. No Maybe no, no, no. They were. It's a rule for a reason. Ian, it's based on voxels. Ian. No he's on a separate mic. I can't even bring him down. Ian has literally bought a back-to-front Freelander, and he's trying to argue <laughs> that a Saab is worse. <laughs> You see, they might both rust, but the thing is, the MG has so thin metal in the first place that rust is serious, whereas at least with a Saab, it could rust for 20 years and still be structurally sound. It is... And that, B, that B204 galvanized. engine is just <laughs> the one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> B204 lump. Oh, I've had a bit of boost, I think. Hey, here's a bit of useless info. Did you know the Rover K-Series won the Queen's Award for Engineering? Yeah, and what's wow. a queen know about engineering? What a queen she does about horses, a, shooting, and la-di-da. She she knows a lot about engineering. So maybe well, she, she should have taken. Maybe she should have taken one of the head bolts wow. out of the K series. Yeah, no, that's good knowledge. She should have taken one of the head bolts out of the K series, taken one look at it, and gone. Charles, who's this to clean your ears out? Um, yeah, well, I mean, well, hang on. If she was an expert engineer, and well, we're talking K series, what what was? Yeah, yeah. No, hang on, hang on. 
Hang on, her husband nearly died in a high-speed car accident involving a K-series powered Land Rover. No, it was a 2.2 TD4, wasn't it, or something like that? No, it was in a... It was a Freelander. Oh, it was a Freelander. It was a Freelander that the Mirror decided that it was a £50,000 car, even Ranger? though it clearly wasn't. No, it was a Freelander. It was oh. I, 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 I I'm, sure it was a, I'm sure it was a Disco. It was a Freelander. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah, so anyway. Um, yeah, so Ian's bought an MGTF. Uh, he drove back from Evesham with the hood down and his hair flowing in the wind. Big flow. <laughs> the, uh, the M5. Yeah. Not much to disappointment. Watching him, watching him in my rearview mirror, mirror with his usual uh, happy Angry. look on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was like getting, like it was like getting chased by a predatory <laughs> hairdresser. <laughs> I will, like? I will <laughs> cut and blow dry you whether you like it or not. <laughs> what about you, Bert? I saw you got some new uh, new slick boots on the old uh, yeah. bag. Well, I've been wintering up. I mean, my rubbers are now ready for, for rough and tumble of, of Wiltshire in, in, in January. Um, so I bought a set of old Legacy Outback wheels that came from an Outback that somebody in Essex had bought uh, from Scotland and got winter tyres with it, and he decided he didn't need winter tyres and wheels, so I bought them off him for a song. And the ones you're alluding to are um, on VOD, the A8, and I've gone from 17 to 18 inches. On uh, my guidance, so I'll, I'll take the credit for. Yeah, no, James suggested that the sport wheels and things, because I'd always had the S8 with a big 20-inch competition. For me, the sport wheels were downgrade, which I used to run on winters on that car, but then I saw a photo of it actually parked at John's, in, in your like driveway, and I thought, actually, them sports look all right on the B2 platform. Flung them on. I've got some um, five seasons, whatever you call Michelin winter, kind of semi-winter, more cross, cross, cross climate, something like that. Yeah, all climate. Or some, anyway, they're wintery-ish, and um, yeah, so they've replaced Kumos, which were through to the canvas on on three out of four wheels. Um, so that's about all the news there that I want to talk about publicly. Well, John has turned up in fresh off the racetrack in his, might I say, <sighs> much superior car to any of the pack that we normally have to deal with. Yeah, we had to see the bloody trouser tent when he turned up. It was ridiculous. Can I just say, as a YouTuber, I one thing I never do is never talk badly about any car make because you get like hundreds of people that love that car, no matter what it is. I lose them. I get messages saying, you insulted this car, I'm off. Oh, well, I'm uh, not going to follow well, that advice. I, I just, just, <laughs> just, <laughs> James, just, he'd be a liability. We've <laughs> alienated the entire MGF community. I'm so sorry, Bob. Well, that, 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 <laughs> that's why I've got no problem insulting boxes, because most of them can't hardly choke themselves. Oh, oh dear. Anyway, we're talking about alienating the entire MGF fan base. He's here. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but be careful on boxing. If you go on radio tour, you'll be fine. Well, it is funny when you go to the car show and you've got like to uh, classic Ford and all lovely people coming up and talking about cars and stuff. You go to Total Vauxhall show in the old days, it felt like it was kind of a day, you know, have you been I've let been out of the local Nick? I've been to PBS up at um, Santa Claus actually yes. once and that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I must admit, I used to uh, frequent the Total Vauxhall show at Santa Claus as well. <laughs> did you have, the, the, did you a, w I had more shoplifting in one show than I did in the whole three years of eventing at that one show from, from didn't didn't do any shoplifting but I'll uh, it all ended up in Nottingham though. I'll admit that I did <laughs> on on for one of oh no that was USC actually for USC we did a, a Vauxhall convoy and I turned up with my friend Kev and Kev. he had a Vauxhall Vectra not SRI not surprised Sonny. Yeah. Vauxhall Vectra SRI that he had fitted a wild one off body kit to Darcy. the sound system and it was featured in a couple of magazines as well Mm -hmm. 
But a lot of my friends used to have the old red top Novas. Yeah. Uh, uh, for the purposes of the tape, he just winked at me, and it was disturbing. For the purposes of the tape, a Vauxhall Nova was a small hatchback, <laughs> which was released in the uh, mid-80s. It's like a Corsa, but kind of boxier and easier to crash. And a 1.4 Fiesta gear will just about overtake this, but not before you get to a blind corner and then swerve into a tree and then flip the Fiesta. And if you get those available, if you if you want to take an over without the keys, you can put the uh, take the hazard switch. light switch, turn upside it upside down, down, and then you can bump start it. So you watch the same episode of Top Gear as I did. No, we just had friends that used to drive their cars. <laughs> <and> <laughs> car <parts. laughs> but yes, John has turned up in his uh, wonderful BMW. Obviously, because it's best example, it's got a fake car, carbon bonnet. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It still runs ninety nine percent more than five of your cars. It's running really bad at the moment, guys. I think even Bert Subaru is probably running better without an engine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do it's, live in a bad, it's in a bad way. I've, I've, it has, it's, it survived about six hours of Goodwood being thrashed around yesterday, but towards the end of the day, the vibration coming through the steering wheel was so bad, I had to give up, um, stop using it. But it, I didn't think it would make it down here today either because it's making some weird noise. <laughs> I, I've watched your videos. If anybody wants to know, if you watch John, it's on your Unplugged thing, isn't it? Unplugged when yeah. you when you go around. Uh, and on the main channel. And on the main channel. You're a very leisurely driver. I don't know why your car, unless it's total crap, would have fallen apart with such casual driving. I mean, you look very relaxed. I mean, my it's mother drives faster um, than you do. It's, it's done 150,000 miles. That's nothing. My Subaru's done 300,000 miles. I'll take your her Your Subaru doesn't run. <laughs> yes, That's it does. Needs a new engine. It does run. No, that one does run. Just, it just tells terrible knock-knock jokes. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. They, uh, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, point being is that it still fell apart despite a, a nice, smooth, gentle, professional apart. driving. So. It hasn't, though, has it, Bert? It's still here. Where's your Subaru? Here. Which one? Um, uh, well, one's about two miles that way. One's about five miles, 20 miles that way. You right. know. So out of the three, which one is running? The Forester. And where's that? Uh, my partner drives it to work. Oh, so okay, so that's not actually your car. So none of it's your Subarus are actually running. Um, I no, the Forester is mine. I bought it. I pay for it. I pay the insurance. I pay just about everything. I for suppose it. Boris does run, but only for eight seconds at a time. No, he runs perfectly as long as you don't stop. I don't see an issue there. No, exactly. So he's running fine, no, and the knock knock one run. No, no, Uncrashable still runs. It's just that it makes a knocking noise, so that if one runs it for much longer, it might make a knock knock bang noise, which would be. Bad. Duck, duck, goose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to your um, lovely uh, three whatever. 330 club CI, club sandwich or club sport. Yeah. <laughs> they are addictive. I mean, James, I know you're a BMW fan Nut. as well. Once you get into BMWs, it is an addiction for life. And, and, and I'm addicted to old BMWs more than the stuff they're bringing out now. And I love these old Beamers. I've got an E36 328i Sport, which I'm trying to bring back at the moment. It needs fair bit doing um and this 330 ci club sport i paid two thousand pounds for and i thought if i get five track days out of it great and i've been tearing it and hammering it and it just will not die to the point now where i think it's actually maybe worth spending a bit of money on it or let me have a go yeah it probably won't be able to do that <laughs> but i don't know the engine will be all right it's do just that, been a rest that will fall off I'll bring Boris along. We'll have a time attack there. They're both three litres. Mine's a flat six, race-tuned engine. Yours is a straight yours six. Yours four-wheel drive, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got an axle lift, and it's got proper tyres, so I could possibly win. Let's just uh, let's just try a flat six race engine. It's not very bad. It is a flat six race engine. It's yeah, got it's solid lifters. That doesn't make it a race engine. It yes. makes it under-engineered. Yes. And how were those lifters when it was rebuilt? 
unadjusted. There you go. So, that's car talk out of the way. What's <laughs> next on the agenda? <laughs> Just crying. Um, what is next? Well, what I wanted to do was talk a bit more uh, with John about John. And um, because you see, you know, you, you turn on your YouTube and you see John, and apart from the kind of the instant arousal that you get, you sit there and you think, you know, he, in the space of, what, three, four years, you've started a YouTube channel from literally dot. Yes. And you're now at what, how many? You're well over 100,000, aren't you? I think we're at 130 nearly. 130,000. Now, I don't want to like require too many stats, but in terms of views, have you got any other stats that can just make we're us feel? We're about a million a month at the moment. That's pretty crazy. impressive. Yeah. That's and you're still driving a BMW. Yes. Yeah. And um, the of course, that's a million views, not a million pounds. Um, well, even if it was a million pounds, you'd still have a BMW Burt. <laughs> but a million views is only about 26p. <laughs> well, no, hang on. I mean, this YouTube, you've actually turned it into something that kind of sustains you. It's my full-time thing now, yeah. yeah. And that was the difficult thing. I started it, I said to you guys, as a hobby. You know, and I, I started working with you guys back when I had hardly any subscribers. You know, yeah. I had 10 subscribers. Say, hey, I can feel one. a commission payment coming on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still waiting for the payment. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it was hard work because I didn't research it. I just started filming, and uh, I didn't film him very well. I wasn't a good presenter. I wasn't – the content was ridiculously slow. I've said this before. You know, an hour to talk about which cloth I felt was the best just because I was so into it and I wanted to do it properly. But, it, you know, I've learned to condense it a little yeah. bit. Um, and it's just slowly grown. After a year, I, st I started realising I had to change the way I did it all because it was, it was costing me a fortune. I was losing money doing the channel. Uh, so I researched it, watched loads of channels, like professional detailing YouTube channels that tell you how... Not detailing, sorry, but like a channel called Think Media that tell you how to film videos and how to what equipment to use and how to set it up and mm. all that. Uh, and, uh, you know, set it up and try and build it so that maybe long-term I could do it as a full-time occupation. And yeah, I think probably at the start of 2020, I thought, right, that's all I'm going to do now. And that's all I do. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to take it to the next level and see if I can, you know, see if I can keep growing it. And yeah, get to sort of Donut Media or Doug DeMuro style. It's never going to go like that. But, but yeah, those channels are clever, you know, they're intelligent, they're, they're court commercial, there's, there's film crews, there's yeah. script writing. Okay, what about Larry Casilla, for example? He's got a, a, a serious following. I can't, I can't yeah, remember what it's up to. There's intelligence behind his channel, him. I yeah. don't have that <laughs> intelligence. I, seriously, I don't. I don't, have, I don't do good production. I'm just trying to slowly get it all better, you know, and it's probably going to take, it's probably going to take a while, but I mean, doing things like this, I was, I was talking to James and Ian that I try and vary the content. That's one thing I've got. Loads mm -hmm. of different content. So one week I could be in my garage comparing a load of shampoos and then next week down with uh, you guys. Like today we're shooting something on how to do rag top uh, cleaning, soft top cleaning properly. So I've covered so many bases and I think I figure if I keep doing that, then hopefully it'll just keep Keep ticking and along, yeah. yeah. Nice. 130,000 people. You, are you quite near Havant? Haven't. 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 Yeah. Yeah, He's not used to South Coast. He's an Essex boy. It is. It's scary, it's scary, actually. But that's more down to the power of YouTube. And, you know, it's just a matter of doing it. And then you eventually you figure out what works and what doesn't. And then the temptation is to not just keep doing it to do the content that works, but do some of that. Use what you've learned to grow it and then try and cover other bases and, and, and have fun. I've said this. This goes back to the mental health thing. If you do YouTube for the wrong reasons, it can be you can burn out, and a lot of YouTubers talk about YouTube burnout. 
that hits you after two or three years, you lose the enjoyment. You guys were saying you go back to something and you enjoy it. You hear me talking on the channel. If you want to do YouTube long term, you've got to figure out a way of enjoying it. Um, and part of that, I think, is being really honest with people. And um, then you don't get so negative, so much negativity thrown at you. There's channels in the UK and all over that you can see the people doing it have lost the interest because they're just getting abused. <laughs> yeah, and they also sell themselves out a bit. Your one thing I will say is, is you're very good from a moral basis, and we try and stick this as, as well with a mag, which is, I mean, I get contacted quite a bit from manufacturers and resellers wanting your details so that they can phone you up and try and sort of make sure that the, you feature their products on there, and you are, to your absolute credit, very stubborn and say, no, you're not sending me anything free. I'm not accepting any freebies because if I want to test something, I want to test it because I want to test it, not because I'm told to, and because I bought it and I'm not expecting any favours. Well, I do, I do let them send me stuff. <laughs> well, occasionally. They also let you send you to America now and then, which you quite yeah. enjoyed. That was, that was a, a Yeah, I mean, I do, you've got to balance it up as well. Like I was talking, I think I was talking to you about this, that the industry, without the industry, I don't have a channel. So it's keeping a sort of safe distance from the in industry so I can do what I do. You know, because if you know everybody, if you know the first name of every single director of every company and I'm reviewing something and I'm saying it's bad, you're going to be in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I know that bloke, I can't say that about his product. So having a safe distance where you might sort of vaguely know him is, is a comfier place to be. But for me as a channel, I benefit from the industry as well. So you can't abuse the industry to make the channel better you have to mm. respect the industry so it's finding that happy middle ground where you can be honest truthful but you know if i stop giving people value i lose viewers i think that's one foundation rule i've had mm. for the channel well what one sad thing is that you don't come to Waxdot on the whole because well, I want to. it's just a, it's just about three or four hours to get there and three or four hours to get back from it. Well, also, obviously, there are lots of people from the trade. Hell, at Wackdog, yeah. after, after Mag's out, I'm, I'm a little bit scared I've sometimes. I've had the odd tap on the shoulder. I've been saying to, I want to go down there all the time. I want to go to SEMA as well, and I will get round to doing it eventually, but... Yeah, but we can smuggle you in. I mean, I, I've got somebody who does makeup for the film industry. We put a wig on you, put you in a dress. We make you kind of fetching. Well, and we can do that anyway. <laughs> okay, that's just well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. We just need to get you past PJ. <laughs> if you're good looking, you're in. Um, I never get a free picture. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's that one. And where where do you see the channel going? As you say, you've you've. I mean, you're a, a wealth of knowledge for me because you're. Hey, but try this, try that. And um, I resolutely uh, ignore a lot of the stuff, and then as a consequence, we're still at probably about 50 subscribers ourselves anyway. So what, where do you see forensic detailing going as a channel? Is it going to stay its current format, as in detailing with a bit well of BMW abuse? It's going good at the moment. It's going good, but I can't stop. I have to keep... If you eave your foot off the accelerator by 10%, your channel will you know, lose 50% of its views. So you have to keep your foot flat to the floor, and you have to keep doing videos have to keep them churning along. That's my number one thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is just to keep doing different stuff because you're not gonna be, I'm not going to be doing YouTube forever. I might be doing it for another five years, ten years, and you'll be looking back over what you've done. And I'll remember a day like today forever. Because yeah. you go somewhere, you do something interesting. Well, after oh. the things we did, I mean. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. I mean, if you think back over the last couple of years, you'll remember the events. You won't remember every single day. 
So yeah, I do. I want to go and do more events. I want to get out, be more social, and meet more detailers. I want to go to America next year. I was telling you about that. Mm. I want to travel around and meet some of the companies. Well, if you want to take me with you, I mean, I've done a tour of America. I could be like your guide. Well, oh, please y- do. Please yeah, do. Yeah, you could fit in a suitcase, sir, uh, Bert. If you want, you can drive. I can drive. Hell yeah. I, I tell you what, <coughs> it would be great to meet you. You know, if you come out there, I'm going to be out there for for hopefully, you know, four to six weeks. How long it takes to go around it. And I want to meet all the people that are there, you know, and some of my patrons, some of the brands, anyone that's that's uh, friendly and is is up for putting well up with me. You might need a bit of close protection. I can I can just I'll be a driver. I can I can sort of you know say no autographs now and stuff like that. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. FYI, yeah. the last time Bert went to America, he crashed the hire car and got arrested. So I got arrested three times. Okay, yeah. you're high in a month. Yeah. Um, how much are bra- how much are brand new grills for Mustangs? Um, strangely enough, they're an awful lot of money, but fitting them, $40 in Miami, a dodgy part of Miami, um, and they had like four guys who I don't think were, well, four guys worked on the car for about three or four hours, and they charged me in the region of $45, and I was amazed. It was, r- and they did a good job as well, did they? proper good job, and this, as in the high company didn't spot anything, that we'd hit an eagle at 60 miles an hour in Washington, <laughs> and they got stuck, and it was still alive, got stuck in the grill, Decided to try and run towards the, f- the fan, as in the fan with the big cutty blade things, and then we rescued it with the help of a man with a gun. And um, yeah, I mean that's a whole different story, really. Well, why don't you, you and John can go and do the US, mm. and Ian and I will go and visit all those island detailers that we saw the other day. <laughs> yes, like reunion. And yeah, so we'll, we'll do yeah we'll do reunion island, and we'll do the Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, Mauritius, must want a Mauritius somewhere, Seychelles, Mauritius, Mauritius, Mauritius. Well, there's the Isle of Wight. There's a, a couple of detailers on the Isle of Wight. You can go there. That'd be a start. No, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question for you, John. Do you think YouTube compensates you enough for the amount of effort you put into the channel? Um, Are they making you rely on? Patron and other other sources of income too much. Well, you've got you've got about a billion YouTube channels now, so um, the top channels, the top, it's a bit like the Premier League thing, isn't it? The top one percent or zero point one percent. Like the, the dude perfect and things like that. The ridiculous. Well, they're just doing the right thing. They can you can earn a lot of money. I mean, there are channels making kids music for you know two to three year olds doing nursery rhymes that are making. You if know, you start humming the shark song, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> joke, but that that sort of stuff. I know, and yeah. They're making like five hundred thousand dollars a month, you know, making mm. music and CGI videos. So if you attack it properly, you can make a fortune. For ninety nine percent of channels, um, they'll they it won't be viable because making video content is very very time consuming, very expensive. You have to travel, um, so it's tough. But a lot of people are figuring it out. I'm. Probably one of the first people, YouTube was monetized, what, seven or eight years ago, something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then about a year later or two years later, I started my channel. So I got in relatively early and have figured out how to do it as a living. Um, it's tough. If you started a channel now, you're going to have every area is covered. And you're going to have millions of competition. It's kind of like starting a detailing business. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. It's flooded. You can't think, think, of, uh, think of a subject matter on YouTube now without having all these rival channels so how do you get a foot in the door well I bet Ian could what think <laughs> think of a topic that's never been covered before <laughs> yes but that's probably against the EULA <laughs> for YouTube we can't have that online the other YouTube or RedTube which we the, <laughs> the other big difference is because YouTube's owned by Google now you'll notice and it's been the case for the last two and a bit years is that when you put in your uh, search something on Google they prioritise video replies yeah, yeah, yeah. 
audience. So one thing, if you answer, if you create videos to answer questions that people are yeah. regularly asking, like, um, you know, e even domestic appliances. I mean, the number of times I've flooded something or, or blown something up, and I thought, oh crap, is a, you know, how do you hide a body if you've killed is it a flat box? That was a really early strategy that YouTube would use to, to make to make videos was to answer questions. Now though, you'll find from your stats that about eighty percent to ninety percent of recommended content rather than people that's been brought in through search. Okay. So you have to try, and this is what, what's called trend hacking. So if an area is popular and trending and lots of videos are being made, that's a healthy thing to make a video on But in terms of views, but unfortunately it means everyone goes on a feeding frenzy. So the detailing, everyone's doing a feeding frenzy on um, transforming cars, and I've just done a video on transforming cars and stuff like that. That's where the views are at the moment. So Do you get any details on what's being searched on YouTube? Um, or can, is there any way you, you can, can use Google Trends yeah. to, to find out what people are searching for? And do you do that when you're planning out your videos? Or I do you used try to at the start. I don't bother anymore. I just tend, I tend just do to do your own thing. I've been doing it for four years. I know which ones are, are popular. People like to see something that's absolutely knackered, and then they like to see it all nice and shiny at the end. And, and it's the impression of there's something psychological about it. When you see something that's filthy, dirty, there's something quite nice about it. You, see a, you see a lot of these videos at the moment. Um, bringing back a Zippo like dug up in a yeah, field, things like, like that. that, those Crafty mm. Panda videos, yeah. they're massive at the moment. Yeah, right? they, my my favourite is watching that guy, and I know that Ian watches it as well actually, is there's a bloke that makes knives out of air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the the world's sharpest knife. knife made out of rice, that's my favourite one. <laughs> It's the, there's a guy who, who is kind of an electrician, but he does it at home. He just constantly oh, electrocutes himself. himself. <laughs> like, yeah. that is, yeah. That's hilarious, and I think it alludes to me being a bit weird. But um, one kind of last question, as we, we're, we're rounding the hour, so to speak. Um, it's interesting from us as a magazine point of view, because before we felt we were very reactive, and I think we are still, in that if there's big news, we report it. If there's a new product out there, we get involved with it. Mm -hmm. um, but also on the kind of more, not necessarily trader talk, but more comment style articles that we have, is that we don't feel that there's, that we're necessarily controlling anything, but we kind of, there's an element of, we are able to start, at least start conversations in a way that before we had any influence, we couldn't. Yeah. You were saying how before you were looking at trends, do you think to any extent at the moment you're becoming a trendsetter? Um, well, this is exactly the same with you guys as we as with me. These mega tests are, are influential. Uh, I know they're influential because when you've done one, I see some of the products that have won your mega test. People use them, and it's the same with mine. Some of the products I know if I do a proper job on a comparison and it's well structured, it's fair. You show people the results, do a good video, then that product that wins can get quite a lot of interest for mm. for a while, and that's kind of nice actually. It is nice. It's a hell of a responsibility. We had we had it too with Koch Me when you and I did the um, yeah. quick detailer test. That went out of it stock. It was an unheard of product before yeah. then, really. And it, it went out of stock. And the same with um, there were a couple of resellers I know who were wanting to get copies early as possible because they would look at what became the winner and then stock it in extra stock. And I know yeah. there were cases. FSC is best. I wasn't comfortable with the term influencer. I still don't like no. it. I find it uh, just a bit cheesy. But it's true. Mm. You you have an audience, and your audience that subscribe, they believe in you. They won't subscribe if they don't believe in you. They they might watch, they might hate you, but if they subscribe, it generally means they they like you. So mm. um, and you've got a kind of responsibility there. And it's one thing I find is that when we're doing the test, it's like this time in the mega test. Uh, I won't go into the details of it, but there was a point at Why? which. Um, 
Well, we no, can. You should. We'll okay. talk about it. We should talk about it. Yeah. No, I'm just where we talked a lot of Megatest, but but basically we were trying on on Ian's car, and the Angel Wax, which was a medium cut product we were sent for a heavy cut test, was outperforming everything, and we were sat there thinking, right, okay, well if we were to draw a line now, that would have been the winner. Yeah, yeah. But it was only actually when we thought, hang on, we've got to really check it because why is a medium cut outperforming all of these big names that should be doing better? And it was when we tried it on other paint types, other vehicles, and did the scientific side, and the scientific was always black, that we realized, yes, it's a very strong product. And in yeah. certain circumstances, it's, it's pretty untouchable. Yep. But for actually as a heavy cut, no, it wasn't the best in, in the field. You've um, got to feel it. I've had that. Well, I've had that with your test where yeah. we were doing the metal test and I left after day one yeah. saying, right, that's the one I'm having. I'm having that product. Yeah. And then you said, you weren't here for day two. This one does everything well. So you've got to finish the test before you know the results. Precisely. But you've got that kind of responsibility. If we'd just stopped it there and then and said, this is the best, mm. actually a lot of people would agree with us because a lot of professional detailers uh, just adore that product. You guys are going to a massive amount of effort with this testing. You could, You could blag it if you wanted to and you could shoot the testing in an hour and you could say this product here get all your your thumbnails get all the product shots you need mm -hmm. do some do some quick tests present it while up the but uk stock first of it but you're not because i've been involved with the tests some of the tests you guys do you run over like weeks and the amount of work that goes into it is absolutely ridiculous people need mm. to know that um, because, like I say, you can blag it so easily if you want to. It's only getting worse as well because mm. the, the, you know, mega test by mega test, we're going further and further and further because we really want to bring out every last detail. Mm. You know, we want to make sure that our overall depiction of the best product in the test, not necessarily in the market, because as we alluded to on this most recent mega test we didn't have every product on the market mm. but the ones that we've tested we want to make sure that we've done everything we can to give the full range of results and i know that the the, the one that we've done recently we've done a couple of uh anomalies with with some of the results being shared and stuff but the overall result of the mega test you know we are seeing guys uh, even my own father you know he's been out and he's bought one of the two winning products. Mm -hmm. yeah. We went and bought the Shoal. Yeah. And, you know, you're we, not, we you're knew it would be. You're yeah. not doing a hard sell. You're, you're showing people a test. Exactly that, yeah. And people yeah. see that straight away, and they go, right, which one wins? Gotcha. You know, we do, we do have advertisers, yeah. and some of the products that win don't advertise with us. Yeah. Mm. You know, but it, that, that's how we remain impartial. Mm. We have to have products but in there that don't support the This magazine. is one thing. I Once in a blue moon, I get someone tell criticizing me saying you're biased john you're biased like this and i just reply back to them and say if i'm biased i would not bother comparing products with each other at all because it's an inherently tricky road to go down if i'm biased i will just show you one product and tell you it's fantastic and i can repeat that for an eternity um so the fact you guys are doing this these these types of tests shows that you're looking to compare which is a treacherous road it's a it's a but the one the other side is of course that if we first of all if we say this product's really really good we need to know that it is so yeah, people yeah. don't buy and think hang on now this is a bit rubbish good? well that's well, the, that's the key is that yeah for me especially i want to pull them I, I want to pull these products apart mm. i want to study the safety data sheets i want to know what they're using yeah. and likewise with the the heavy cut mega test with angel wax performing so well th throughout the whole rest of the test ian and i were constantly why is it doing this 
how is he doing this? Why is he doing this? And it pushed us to the point, if you read the article, where we were looking at hiring microscopes so that we could see what was different about the angel wax. And in the end, luckily, we, we landed upon... Um, a microbiologist. No, uh, a microscopist. A microscopist. Yeah. Um, and he said, just send me the samples. I'll blow up, blow up the images for you. And then I'll send them back, and you can make of them mm. what you will. And you'll see how different angel wax is under a scope. Exactly that. So do everything else. You know, cool. for for us, it is. It would be great if we could flag a mega test and just do mm. it easily, but it's not in our nature. And you we actually discover stuff as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah, I can relate to that. I dis- you discover stuff doing the test yourself. I end up f- I follow quite a lot of my own recommendations because it's just I've seen them, I've tested them. And then I'm like, that one's the best. It's my best value. I get on with it the most. I'm going to recommend it, and I end up using it as well. Well, funny you say that, because I'm just trying to think. And so we get, I've got cupboards of products um, back at base, so to speak, where uh, we've done some new products. We've got the next mega test contenders and stuff like that. But then I look at what, because when I'm doing my expenses or whatever, and I'm looking at my tax return and looking at what products are, that's a company one, that's a non-company one. And obviously, I can't claim my personal like squirt and wipe products. Yeah, I've got FSE. Um, I've got Color Lock Mild Cleaner, yeah. <laughs> um, and just about everything. Yeah, it is. Is off. I use um, shampoo, born to be mild. I've got all the ones that we've and and yeah, we bought a, a ton. Had a brass bed that I had to polish up. Bought I a ton of white. I still use Car Pro Pearls because of the blind tests initially weren't. I yeah. said I wanted to know what it was after we did that. I said, but what is this code? So what product is this? Because it was darker than all the others. It stayed darker, but it's nice and watery and slimy. You and I was done. I've been using it for five years. But you see, I, I, I use Meg's, Meg's gel because of that yeah. same test. Because in the test, I prefer that one. Yeah, yeah I like Glicktone's hot, yeah. hot, hot and wet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, at some that. point, we are going to have to revisit some of the earlier tests because yeah. technology's moved on. Yeah. You know, yeah. while, while things like Born to be Mild are always great shampoos, there's new stuff coming out all the time that we, we kind of need to put up against it and see it's is there a change at the top it's a scientific that test was glass cleaners shampoos and tire dressings and it was done purely on the subjective opinion subjective opinion of 30 odd people if we could rerun those tests with a scientific element but yeah, scientific testing with shampoo yeah i'm, g- I'm, g- I'm gonna want to pull them apart i'm gonna right. boil them up in test tubes and well ultimately well you just see them yeah but scientific <laughs> testing of shampoo performance should we say well you know there are ways yeah. you know well, manufacturers you, you can you can test how how well it um how well the patterns work mm-hmm. but you've got yeah. what you've got you know you've got the s- similar sort of testing that uh you use for the wash mitts you yeah. know you can use a standardized wash mitt and you can do wash cycles and you can see how much lubricity is given so there's always a way no matter what we look at and it's we always going to be questioned. Yeah, of course it is. Mm. We, you know, we wouldn't be invested, investigative. Um, any any science out there should be questioned. Yeah, of course it should. Yeah. But it should also pose questions. You know, it mm. should give people the opportunity to say, oh, well, you know, is this the product I want to use now that I've been using it for two years, but these guys have pulled it apart and maybe it's not the safest, maybe it's not mm. the most cost efficient. I mean, we, we, you know, we use products that aren't cost efficient. There's a massive hunger for that. People want to know. Because they just don't have the time. You know, most people don't have the time to do these tests. They're not going to go and buy 50 products and sit there and test them. And, and so they just read it and it's, right, I'm going to buy that one. That's yeah. why they're so influential. Yeah. Um, and there's very few people doing them like this. Big comparisons of lots of products. So it's unique. And guys at home can get benefit out of it, but professional details as well can follow these. Yeah, I mean, mm. we, we definitely, when writing the magazine, we definitely 
I mean, my my background is pro retailers, so you know I've worked with a lot of pro retailers. I've worked within that industry. I'm quite light on the hobby side of things because I've not really. I wouldn't never say I've really not entertained it, but I've never had a necessity to be. You turned professional too soon, if you see what I mean, in that respect. Effectively, yeah. yeah. So I missed the whole hobby scene. I, you know, I was balloting and then went to detailing. I never did the whole hobby thing. And when I did, it was, you know, as we've alluded to on previous podcasts, it was the early days of Maguire's bringing out a clay bar in Halford mm. or, um, or shampoo, oh, yeah. things like that. So for me, I've always been professionally sort of ori- orientated. Um, but I think the mag is such a varied mix of everything. Mm. I mean, some of the guides in there are for, you know, people who don't clean cars for a living. Mm. You know, we've got the tree sap removal and the uh, water mark removal. Yeah. You know, so... We had three pages on buckets in an issue a couple of issues ago. Yeah, and then we'll go to putting a, a compound under a microscope. Yeah. That's, that's, I think, for me, that's the most enjoyable part. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You are the only people doing this as well. If you wind the clocks forward, if we can go into the future 20 years, you're going to have other people looking at what you're doing here as this industry gets bigger and recreating it again. Well, uh, there's a possibility. I think it's the the challenge is moving with the media types. You know, present with print, and we're all happy with being print. We like print. Um, there is an online version. You know, we've got ideas for moving online not to replace that and not as an online ebook necessarily but we've got kind of big plans and there that's going to be really interesting they've been saying print is going to die for the last 20 years my dad yeah. was in that I- in that industry and uh, it will never die it's just i think the savvy businesses now do both don't they yeah you you have to you have yeah. to embrace new media and also it's the overhead in the old days of print um and i remember this from from my days writing was that um, you had huge, great companies with hundreds of people, and nobody really worked particularly hard, and it was it was kind of very inefficient. Whereas now you find there are a lot of magazines where you've got a couple of guys or three or four people working, and they put the magazine out. They go to third-party printers, and they do their own publicity. They're not going through Comag and 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 distribution into the high street anymore. So they're adapting, and because they're much leaner, as long as the content's still strong. I mean, we've got the pro detail now is 699, including UK postage. And um, that's for 132 pages, and it's perfect bound, and it's got a nice gloss 250 GSM cover. We've got pro detailer Germany, which yeah. is in progress. So we've got a German language magazine. That's cool. So we've got uh, Nico Moritz at Auto Le Cafe in Germany working on that at the minute. So theirs is going to be a portion of new German content, some English content, and some translated English content. Cool. So, but I think I think you know I think there will be people that come out and try and do another one, but it's going to be difficult to do something different because well we've done everything first, differently. Yeah. Well, you say we got there first. Uh, when our first issue came out, it was about a week when the other magazine on detailing came out, which because um, I talked to the guys, I wrote an article for their second edition. In fact, strangely yeah. enough, and they were called I can't remember were they detailed or there was, was the one that. John Hull put a picture up of recently or something, and it was like 30 pages. I, it was about 30 really pages. Really old, sponsored by Zeno and all that business. No, it wasn't sponsored by Zeno. This, no, this was homegrown English without, um, and it had some sponsorship, but it was quite small scale. There were yeah. a nice team running it. It was a husband and wife team who were both professional journalists and photographers or something. But it's the amount of work that's required. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this has been by far the heaviest with regard sure. of content. And if you consider that this year is the first year where we haven't been able to go out on the road, we've had to put even more original content in. And that's the key, is original content. Mm. 
because we're almost at the point where we're having meetings to say, you know, what the hell have we yeah, not what done else, yet? What, what else have we got? Yeah. Mega tests. You know, ev- every other week we're saying what we're going to do for the next mega test. What's well, going to be? I, I might be. I might be going back like a like back to the square one. You know, we repeating stuff. I've done a lot of that. Though, yeah, but it's valid if you did it five years ago. Yeah. As James was saying, and Ian was saying, if it's technology yeah. and the market's moved on, that's totally valid. And if anything, you can yeah. then refer back to your initial study, your initial article, your initial program, yeah. and use that as a foundation upon which you then build your extension. My yeah, my first some of my first old comparisons were woeful. In fact. If I did them again, they would be probably half decent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's all good. It's good fun. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, Kirky. Well, has uh, in terms of order of business, are we sort of wrapped up? Has anyone got anyone else to uh, add? I don't think so. Have we, have we got any industry news on the go? Anything news-wise that's happened? Not really. Uh, no, I mean, Decon went live with their uh, their yeah. online stuff the other week. Um, it was all in German, so I understood absolutely none of it. <laughs> uh, uh, it it looked look very is, good. Um, just, just a quick note on that uh, for all of our listeners: the <laughs> both uh, of them, the the Decon live feeds are now available on YouTube with subtitles. So mm. you can go on YouTube, go to the Auto Lecappen channel, and you can find the Decon twenty twenty uh, live streams in subtitled English. You probably ought to share them around the page. We will do. We yeah. will do. That's. Uh, I know, a never-ending list of... We've got, we've got to do actual detailing when we speak. <laughs> God forbid. I've uh, got one interesting thing I want to leave it, leave the podcast on. If you guys had to predict the name of a channel that are going to be... Uh, a brand that are going to be the next big thing for 2020, what would Ooh. it be? Oh, one we've already word. covered this. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah we've we already have covered this. Podcast. I, what I, were uh, they then? That you've obviously not listened to. <laughs> Sorry. To be fair, I can't remember it either, so it's... Um, for me, it was Labo Cosmetica. Okay. Because um, we've been to the factory, we've seen how they do things, we've really had an insight into their ethos, their mm-hmm. sort of the the way they want to do it. The and real deal. Yeah, they're doing it in house. They've got chemists. They've started with the best grounding, in, in my opinion, which is fifty years of car wash products. These guys are market leaders in what they do, and they've hit the market with a detailing brand, and they've pitched it at the top. And they've, they've come in at the top. The packaging's premium. The product's premium. They've done it. The, the thing for us was what as well was when we were t- talking to Marco. Marco, Marco, Marco yeah. Um, Carlos. They, did, um, they didn't want to copy what everyone else was doing. So what they did is they went out and they researched all of the products people were using. They tried them all, you know, for sort of quality level to see where they were going. But they started from scratch. So they said, right, what do we want to do? Rather than go and copy brand X, brand Y, brand Z, what do we want to do? Mm. And even down to the marketing of their ceramic coatings, which I always, you know, I always harp on about. But it's they're marketed in the correct manner. They're not marketed as a lifespan. They're marketed as a hardness versus hydrophobicity. Mm. They got some unique stuff as well, haven't they? The they have, yeah. The the cr- the chronos is, is pretty special, yeah. yeah. Ener- energy. Um, for energy. you guys. Um, I can't remember a couple of brands. AutoSmart's one to watch, actually. So the new AutoSmart Matrix coatings we've tested um, in the magazine, but we're doing long midterm tests yeah. on the A5. A5, A5 yeah. yeah. Which Do you think they would the have mag. to change their distribution? No, I don't. No, have you seen? They've got over 150 ap- approved applicators of their ceramic coating already. They are flying along. They've got but more approved applicators than any other ceramic brand I can think of. I don't know the, the brand that well, but I just want to put this out there. If you... The consumer, the guy that wants to try a product with a mass market, 
You can buy their products on eBay, right? You can buy on Amazon now. Yeah, you can buy on Amazon. From Alter Spot International themselves. Is it, so that's a reputable place? Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's direct to their official channel. Okay, well, that's good. So, um, but there, uh, we had a really good conversation with Autosmart leading up to using their coatings. Um, you know, we wanted to know everything about the coatings, how they came about it, um, even down to the fact of, of who manufactures it, whether they do it in house or, you know, and, and sensibly they went to a specialist. Um, do we know who? Obviously, we're not talking uh, about it, but we don't, we don't know who, no. and I, I wouldn't expect them to divulge that information. But they went to. We'll call them a ceramic house, um, <laughs> and you know they told them exactly what they wanted. They had samples, they tried them out, and their aim because they've got a new site being built at the minute. Mm. Their aim is to then bring it in house to manufacturing. So, but we were so far impressed, very very impressed with the matrix coatings. Um, another brand that we, well, another two brands that we're very interested in, uh, Nasiol. I was going to say Nasiol. Some of their that they're that. Top end coating, as I said, are no, they're Turkish. actually Turkish. Turkish, Turkish, and they're. So I did read up on the history of it. So the original team <coughs> that started it were graduates from the Istanbul University, and they worked together to produce this brand, um, doing sort of applied science coatings, and now their manufacturing facility is in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, but their coatings are fantastic. Um, the packaging is a little. The ZL15 is better than the lower end. I found the lower end yeah. coat was a little bit more, a uh, bit, bit yeah. trickier to apply, bit went tacky a bit too quickly. But their top end one was an absolute joy to apply, and the slickness we got from that oh, was incredible. incredible wasn't it? But they do, um, they do windscreen sealant wet wipe, and not so innovative It must be six months at least. Now. No, it's more than that. I think put mine on in November, and it's yeah. only just wearing off now. And that was from a wet wipe. That'd be a great mega fix. Uh, glass. We yeah, we were just we talking were about just that earlier this morning. You're going to beat me to it now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been uh, trying to do, mega, do the glass mega test for about three years now. Originally, mm. the plan was to go and do it with King's Trucking down in Bristol, yeah. wasn't it? To, to yeah. apply it on all of oh, their trucks. Contact, in incidentally, doesn't work for them anymore, so we can't get in necessarily. The biggest problem you've got with glass sealants is there are varying types. Some are very hydrophobic but don't last very long some are still hydrophobic but last a very long time some need to be applied differently some react to abrasion differently mm. some are 150 quid some are 20 quid so it's it think of that think of the um the uh, quick detailer test that we did mm. and chat with james off off microphone because we'll go on for ages about how you know how we categorized them and how we categorize them spray sealants clean primarily cleaners and then kind of all-rounders or something like that Lots yeah, something like that, and that's oh yeah, spray sealants. The um, anyway, the issue with the glass cleaners is that if you're testing 150 quid, something needs to be applied by a detailer or takes ages to a wet wipe, um, you know, that you just have put on. Where <laughs> where is it a fair comparison? Yes, they're all glass cleaners. Now that I'm not saying it's a, it's a no go. In fact, I'm really looking forward to doing that. And also, we've got to find a medium on which to do it. Was it fairly as well? Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, none of them are, none of them are easy. So we've got. Labco, AutoSmart, Nasiol, yep. any um, other hot ones? There, for there's one more that we didn't cover when we mentioned it before in podcast because we didn't have the product by then. But something I've we, we we got it just as the magazine went to print um, called Osram, mm. and it's this heavy, heavy touch orange Os peel, Osren. orange peel remover. Osren. Not Osram because they um, make light bulbs apparently. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's a uh, a compound with what they what they term clear coat softeners in there, and it comes with a a whole range of pads that are made from eighty Salvation Army donations. By the looks of it, you've you've got corduroy, you've got stonewashed jeans in there, you've got denim pads, and I was a little bit I was quite skeptical when I first saw these pads. Tried them out on our mule bonnet, and this is again part of the reason why I've got that blue TF downstairs. So I'm looking to try out these things on, and it genuinely did better a than any of the heavy cut compounds that we've just tested. But it, it genuinely flattened down orange peel, improved clarity all over. So a little bit more longer term testing required, but that's something that's definitely worth keeping yeah, an eye on. They're, for, they're Malaysia, aren't they? Yeah, Malaysia is definitely an interesting product for us to, to do a bit more research into. Uh, the other one is Polytop, which is a long-term German, uh, long, long-standing German brand, very well known in Germany. They are a slightly, well, no, I don't want to say that, but they are an equivalent of something like Autosmart. They're a big supplier to body shops, big supplier to, well, I mean, the only term for cleaning cars out in Germany is detailer, so like trade detailers. Um, but their polishes, we have, uh, I boldly stated that their hologram remover is the best polish that I've ever used in my life. Um, so they do a massive range of products. Some of them are extremely cool. Um, Even their maintenance products, they're the Velox, uh, so they did a quick detailer which is acidic and a quick detailer that's neutral so that I kind of like a cochonier FSE style product and I used that on water spots and it was just as good as, as FSE yeah, they've got an uh, iron removing spray they yeah. but they've got loads of tricky stuff they've, loads of, they've got a perspex polish mm. a, a polish designed just for polycarbonate they've got their plastic dress their um, they do an interior trim dressing couldn't stop bigger that is absolutely yeah. brilliant uh, we used it on a Porsche Boxster, maybe, recently. And you wipe it on, and it cleans the surface, it darkens the surface, and it's bone dry. Mm. And it's sort of semi-satin finish. Um, so yeah, Polytop, that's another one to look out for. There is no UK distribution at the moment, mm. um, so it'd be cool if somebody could jump on that bandwagon. Um, yeah, Polytop and Osram. <laughs> yeah, Polytop, Osram, and... Uh, Nassio would be good. I know they have got someone over here. They've got someone in the mid in the East Midlands somewhere, yeah. I think. Kenetech are doing things as well. Kenetech on the move. Um, Kenetech are doing bits, but it's uh, Kenetech's a strange one because their main market is car wash chemicals and they make so much money off it. The detailing side is kind of just a bit of a little thing for them. And we spoke to Dimitri and yeah. it's like, he's over here selling 30,000 litres of TFR and 40,000 litres of spray wax and when you ask him about a 30ml bottle of ceramic he's like yeah well, you know it's coming and it'll well, be available but well though i just had some update yesterday in fact from him, him and they plan to launch it over summer obviously we had the covid um and it's gone and launched in slovakia and it's launched in not germany but somewhere like possibly even czech and it, it's going to plan, and they've got somebody up in the northwest who. Well, I hate to drop that bomb, but but Slovakia doesn't exist anymore, and it is part of the Czech Republic. Really? Because I sent something to Slovakia, and it's. Oh, is it the other way around? Yeah, it's the other way around. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Czechoslovakia yeah. doesn't that, that, exist that anymore. That's that happened. That's the Czech Republic now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and anyway, so so there is there is motion on that too, and and absolutely their business is 
the car wash bulk side. Also, it's strange enough cleaning hospitals and hygiene and cleaning out the inside of like trucks, uh, tankers and stuff like that. They've got lots of fingers in pies because they're part of a much bigger group, but they're oh, definitely they one they to watch as well. They have a pie fingering division. They have a pie fingering division. And Swissfax is making a resurgence. Yes. yes. Swissfax, we are helping with that. I say we. Different hats. Yeah, different hats, different caps. Um, yeah, UK DA is uh, helping with some of the um, professional detailer structure side of things for Swissfax. So that's making Training a and production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they've still got a distributor. Yep, still got a distributor. They've, they've had a distributor since it was handed over. Um, I think they are concentrating at the moment on sort of uh, end user side of things, car clubs and car collectors and stuff. But yeah, Swissfax is on a on a return, a which is nice because that's a brand that mm. I've I've grown up with effectively. Yeah. Um, made sure I have to dig out dust off my Swissfax T-shirt. <laughs> cool. Okay, Kirky. Well. Um, that just leaves me to say, John, thank you very much for venturing all the way up here. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Uh, you are welcome back any time of the week. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> That's good, we won't. Um, <laughs> so, um, and uh, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from James. Goodbye. And goodbye from Ian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, one and all. Thank you very much for listening.